We're going to do now what we always do each Sunday. We're going to dive into a passage from God's Word. We'll talk about what it means and why it matters and what we should do about it. So, if you have a Bible with you, a Bible app, uh, whatever it is, if you could turn to our passage in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. Matthew 7, verse 24, and when you found that, if you're able, if you'd stand with me, we'll read this passage together. Concluding words here of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. This is God's word. Maybe seated. Let me pray for us quickly and then we'll dive into this passage today. Father, we uh, ask now as we come to your word that you would open up our minds, open up our hearts, our ears uh, to hear and receive what it is that you want to say to us today, what you want to show us from this passage. God, we, we want to be those who sit underneath your word, submit ourselves to what you show us here and not sit in judgment over it. So I pray that there would just be an openness and a willingness to receive, and then, God, may we act on what we see. May we not be those only who are hearers, but doers of your word. You tell us plainly, when you send out your word, it doesn't return to you void. It will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. God, accomplish that purpose in each one of us today. And as I always ask now, eternal God, would you move and govern my tongue to speak your truth? Amen. Amen. Well, if you have um, ever traveled to the city of Victoria, where uh, Andrew did his uh, undergrad work, uh, you will at least be familiar with the beautiful chateauesque style hotel situated on Victoria's Inner Harbor, known as the Empress Hotel. Some of you will have seen this, maybe stayed there. The hotel was designed by Francis Rattenbury, same architect who actually designed the BC Legislature buildings and was built between 1904 and 1908 as a destination hotel for passengers arriving on the Canadian Pacific Steamship Line, still carrying passengers at that time. Today, the hotel, it boasts 477 rooms, uh, restaurants, shopping, a swimming pool. Uh, the hotel offers daily high tea service. Uh, it is considered a historic landmark of the city, and it is sinking. For what history tells us is that the ground on which the Empress Hotel was built was originally mudflats, uh, bog land, where crabs scuttled and actually landfill used to be dumped. And so although some 9,000 cubic yards of concrete over almost 300, or, no not 300, 3,000 50-foot piles of timber were used in its foundation construction, Estimates today say that the Empress Hotel still sinks approximately one quarter of an inch into the ground every year. If, alternatively, you have ever traveled to Quebec City, Quebec, you will likely be at least be familiar with this beautiful chateauesque style hotel situated in Old Quebec's upper town known as Le Chateau Frontenac. 
this hotel was, uh, actually its architecture helped inspire Francis Rattenbury's design for the Empress Hotel in Victoria. The only difference being that unlike the Empress, Chateau Frontenac is not sinking. Uh, it happens to remain very firmly held in place, raised on a foundation of stone, brick, and reinforced with steel. The point I'm trying to make is that foundations matter. Foundations matter. Whatever you're building, what you choose to build on matters. In fact, I think just using the Empress Hotel alone as an example, I think we could say that what you build on matters even more than what you build. Which means if whatever you want to build is important to you, if it's valuable, if your expectation is that it's going to last long term, considering the foundation that you're building on first is vital. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is getting at here in our passage today as he concludes his teaching from the Sermon on the Mount contained in chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew's Gospel. He's talking about foundations, the vital importance of what you build on, the only difference being that rather than talking about building houses and hotels and high-rises, he's talking about what we build our lives on, the, the, the foundation of who you are as an individual. So, building on one kind of foundation, says Jesus, produces a kind of indestructible person that can withstand whatever life happens to throw at them, and building on another kind of foundation produces an unstable person who eventually falls flat in the face of life's storms. I, I think all, most of us here anyway would say, I, I want to be that first kind of person. I'd like to be the kind of indestructible person who can stand uh, against whatever life throws at me. But at the same time, you probably also know that in a world like today, if you just look around, there is no shortage whatsoever of people, uh, podcasts, books, influencers who would want to say, hey, I've found the foundation for you to build on. This is the foundation I've built on. It has set me up in a way that protects me from everything around me, whatever comes against me, and they want you to build on that foundation too. So with so many people promising, hey, their foundation is the one that's the most safe, the most secure to build on, isn't Jesus offer and call here to build our lives on him, well, isn't that really just kind of one more good option among many? How can we really evaluate? How can we be expected to possibly know which foundation is going to produce that kind of indestructible character and which will leave us slowly sinking and eventually falling flat? Well, fortunately, Jesus helps us to answer that question in our passage here today the same way he helped us last week to answer the question of well, how do we discern sheep and wolves dressed as sheep in the church? And we'll talk about what Jesus' answer is as to how to evaluate which foundation to build on as well as what it is about building our lives on him that's unique, that makes someone truly unshakable. But beyond that, given the context of everything that we've been looking at and that Jesus has been teaching us about over the last number of weeks in particular, what I think makes this passage even more important for us to study and to understand today is because what Jesus is desperate for you and for me to understand and what, our, what he wants us so badly to find in him is not solely a foundation to build upon that will allow you to stand unshakable in this life alone, but a foundation 
that will allow you to stand unshakable when this short vapor of a life is complete and you stand at the face of eternity. In order to help us see that, grasp it, understand what Jesus wants to show us here, and I pray, choose today and every day from today to build our lives on the solid foundation of Jesus and His Word. I want to look at our passage today. We'll break it up into two sections. I want to talk about the key to a solid foundation and then the key to a solid builder. Just those two things, the key to a solid foundation and the key to being a solid builder. So if you closed your Bible, Bible app, whatever it is, could you open it again with me to that passage? Follow along with me as we work through this together. Matthew 7 24 here, Jesus is going to lay out the keys to producing an indestructible life, both now as well as in the life to come. So let's look first of all at the key to a solid foundation. The key to a solid foundation, and I want to look at this first, like how to properly assess a foundation first, because before we can talk about anything that we build on it, as we just finished saying and we saw with the Empress Hotel alone, if, if the foundation is unstable, the foundation can't sustain the weight of what's built on top of it, then it doesn't really matter what you build, actually, because in the end, it's not going to matter. It's not going to last. So in preparation for this, I did a little bit of investigating this past week, try to understand what are the criteria for a structural engineer when they are evaluating either the present or the potential uh, a stability of a foundation. What, what are their criteria that they use? And, and very generally speaking, I, just, I promise you, I'm not one of those, I read a few blog posts and I'm an expert, but this is just what I read. Uh, very generally speaking, there are apparently three main factors, determining factors uh, that they use to assess a foundation. First of all, a secure, a secure foundation must be able to sustain the weight, to bear the weight of the structure above it. Okay? That seems like maybe the most obvious, apparent of all the criteria, and it has to be able to hold up the structure on top of it. Secondly, the soil around the foundation must be sufficiently distanced from and resistant to the groundwater running beneath it. So that seems like that could be actually the issue facing the Empress Hotel. Maybe perhaps that wasn't considered. Lastly, a secure foundation must act as a sufficient barrier against moisture and inward pressure from the freezing and thawing cycles of the soil around it. It has to be able to hold in from outside pressure pushing in. Those are the three criteria, three main factors a structural engineer will look for to determine the stability of a foundation to build upon. But what about when you're trying to evaluate a foundation to build your life on? What should be the criteria then? Well, According to our passage today and according to what Jesus says here, you only need to look for just one single thing, actually, just one factor, namely how well that foundation supports and secures the house sitting on it in the midst of life's storms. That's it. How well does the foundation support and secure the house in the midst of the storms of life? So I want to just look again here at what Jesus says uh, in this text for a minute, talk about then what that means for you and me as we try to evaluate the foundation that we build our own lives on. Let's just consider Jesus' teaching here. Look first of all at uh, verses 24 and 26. You'll notice there Jesus talks about a wise builder who builds their house on a rock and a foolish builder who builds their house on sand, which by the way, I, 
I know already that's kind of a, a, a strange, maybe ridiculous comparison to make because we kind of think, well, who would ever literally build a house on sand? Um, no one. But apparently in this arid region that uh, Jesus first gave this teaching in, there were these hard-packed uh, sections of sand that were rock-like until the rainy season came. And then in the rainy season, this ground that was once so hard would, would become all soft and then eventually liquefy. As these floods came in, it just saturated the ground and it became no longer solid. But the thing I want you to notice, first of all, in these verses is actually not the foundation at all, but Jesus' description of the two houses built on the foundations. For a plain reading of the text there, if you look, reveals that as far as anyone could observe just by the naked eye looking, they're both exactly the same. Both houses are identical. That is, it's not like the house built on the rock was built with bricks like the, the house from that famous children's tale of three little pigs and, and the house built on the sand was straw and we're just like, well, of course it fell. Look what it's built with. No, both houses are equally, equally well built to the naked eye, just identical. Secondly, notice the identical circumstances that Jesus says he describes coming against both the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand. Verse 25 and verse 27 say they're both the same. You can see the rain, the floods, the, the wind come against both houses. And man, I'm, just, I'm so, so glad that Jesus mentions this. And I think it's worth just pausing for a second to, to really think about what that means. Because I've got to tell you, one of the most disillusioning things for a kingdom citizen that I've just seen again and again and again one of the most disillusioning things to have happen in which the devil loves to then take and, and, and twist and lie to us about is to wisely choose to build my life on the rock of Jesus and then expect that because I've built my life on the rock, the rain and the floods and the wind will no longer come against me anymore. And it's just devastating to, to, if, if you believe that, if you think that's what's going to happen. Because if I, believe that, if I believe that that's true, all of a sudden then when pain still comes against me, when struggle in my relationship still comes, when sickness still comes, when divorce still comes, when death still comes against me, all of a sudden I can mistakenly believe, I guess I built on the wrong foundation. So that's why I'm so glad that Jesus is like, no, 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 no. The rain, the floods, the wind, they, they come against both houses. And understanding that now, okay, then I'll ask you, what does Jesus say is the sole discernible difference between the two houses? What is it? It's only this. The ability of the foundation those two houses are built on to support and secure the house in the midst of life storms. That's the only difference Jesus shows us in this mini parable here. Nothing less, nothing more. Just very simply, how well does the house stand up when its foundation is tested? And as you take this out of a, a first century context and try to apply it today in a 21st century context, I want you to just think about your own life today. Think about the influences around you, the world that we live in right now, and ask yourself, what are the various different foundations that are available for me today to build upon. What are they? I think for most of us, we'd say the options are way too many to even list or, or, or mention them all, but I want to just think of a few quick ones and just kind of do our own evaluation work uh, here together. So first of all, I think one of the easiest ones to begin with are the often combined foundations of education, 
career and financial stability. Those three are often paired together, so certainly to some degree before, but undoubtedly following the Enlightenment era, which proclaimed this kind of unbounded ability of the human, of the human mind to overcome any obstacles of life, um, just including poverty, including any of these things, um, through our own efforts. So, and, and since that time, we have breathed the air of, if I can get the best education I can, so that I can then get the best job I can, I can then make the most money that I can, and I'll be safe from all of this stuff that other people are struggling with. They're struggling because they don't have the same things. If I can have those three things, I'm safe from life storms. And yet, haven't even the last kind of 20 months shown us alone just the ability of a single COVID storm to bring every single wall built on that oh-so-promising foundation crashing to the ground because what do I do when I can't study anymore because the school isn't school's not open what do I do when I've got this great career but my business fires me because we can't sustain employees anymore on and on and on the the foundation cracks it can't hold Uh, the stem fields science technology engineering maths again post-enlightenment has long proclaimed an unbiased and tested foundation upon which we can build our lives and gradually experience greater and greater freedom from the storms of life through, through technological advancement. And, and, and I'm honestly not trying to make all my examples COVID-related, but just what happens when science and medical engineering develop vaccinations to help protect us against a, a global pandemic, but then the winds of politics, the winds of fear, the winds of variance, the winds of all these other things suddenly take this really good thing and make it like, oh, I don't know, like some people, I don't even want to be a part of that. Others are like, is that even going to help me? Uh, I got the vaccine. It's not how so many things. And the foundation, once again, it's so promising and yet it cracks and the, the, the walls once again crumble. Lastly, in light of what we looked at last week in particular, I think I'd be, it'd be unfair if I didn't also look at the religious elites who, even in Jesus' day, promised freedom from life's struggles, nothing but the blessing of God if we can build on the foundation of religious performance. If you can follow the rules well enough, you'll be safe. You, you won't experience any of those hard things in life. And yet, once again, the rain and the floods of just, just human weakness... <laughs> Just our, our inability to live up to that and constantly failing in these ways. Once again, we find that that seemingly utopian foundation, unstable and unable to hold together as the rest of them. In fact, you know what? I would encourage you, substitute in any other philosophy, any other worldview, any other religion, any other kind of relationship. If I could just have this, then I'd be, if I was with this person, anything in there. And what you'll find again and again and again is the storms of life exposing the sinking, unstable foundation that still cannot sustain, still cannot secure the structures built upon it over the long haul, no matter what, no matter how well they're built no matter how beautiful and luxurious they look, no matter how promising and secure they may look when you're standing out on the front lawn. The only foundation, the only foundation that I know of and that Jesus talks about here, which is truly impervious to the storms of life, which can make good on its promise to allow whatever you build on top to remain standing though the winds and the rain and the floods do still come, is a life built on the rock. A life built on the foundation 
of Jesus Christ. That's it. And we're going to talk about what it looks like to build on that foundation in a minute, but just consider for a moment some of the ways that the foundation of Jesus, the rock of our salvation, is able to secure and sustain the lives that we build upon him in ways that no other foundation can. For again, as as we just finished saying, it's not at all as though that the house built on the rock means that we're not still exposed to rain and storm and floods in the exact same way. Jesus is very clear. It, you, you, you will be. You will be exposed to those same things. But if I can just take the, the criteria we just looked at a minute ago from a structural engineer's perspective of what a secure foundation needs to have and then apply it spiritually to Jesus and his word, I think what makes Jesus the most solid, secure foundation of all to build on is that, first of all, Jesus can truly bear the weight of every expectation we have. Every expectation that we try to put on people, relationships, career, our stock portfolio, whatever it is, that, that, that end up being crushed under the weight of that. Jesus can sustain the weight of what we put on top of him. Jesus, if we can use that same building language, his load-bearing capacity is infinite. Secondly, if we think of sin as like a water current running underneath all of God's creation presently, always threatening to destroy it, always threatening to wash it away, because he is holy, because he's righteous and without sin, Jesus is both sufficiently distanced from and completely impervious to the destructive, damning effects of sin. Which means Jesus isn't limited in any of the ways that we are, in any of the ways that this world is, or any of the foundations that we build upon are. Lastly, for those who have put their trust in his work alone, Jesus is also an impenetrable barrier against the moisture and the mold of sin for every citizen in his kingdom, as well as enabling us to withstand the outside pressures of the world threatening to push in with the strength that he gives us. That's what makes Jesus this infinitely superior foundation to build on than any other foundation you may want to build on in this life. Or as Prophet Isaiah summarizes and then the Apostle Peter later picks up and applies directly to Jesus in 1 Peter. Isaiah says, Behold, I am laying as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. There will be no collapse for a structure that's built on him. Okay, so that's what Jesus says is the key to evaluating which foundation you build your life on, which foundation remains solid, which foundation can hold up the structure it's built on in the midst of life's storms. But let's say you're already bought into that. You're already sold on that, and you'd say, no, no, I, I believe Jesus is the most secure, the best foundation for me to build my life on, but now you're wondering exactly how it is you do that. What is that? Like, how do I actually build my life on Jesus. So the last thing I want to look at together from this passage is the key to a solid builder. What is the key to being a solid builder once you've decided to build your life on the foundation of Jesus? So what do we do? How how do we go about building our life on Jesus once we've determined that he is in fact the only sure foundation to build upon? Well, I think it's a great question and honestly it's a question I wish more people would ask. Um, because build your life on Jesus. Build your life on the rock. I mean, it sounds so good, right? It's, I mean, it's just a classic 
Christianese kind of saying that, that you hear all the time in church settings, but, but when people say that and you actually like press them to say, like, what does that actually mean? A lot of times people can't even answer you. They don't even know what they're, what they're talking about. So I get it. Like having a theological shorthand where lots of truth is packed into a single phrase, is, it's helpful. Uh, maybe it can save time even. But my point is, if you don't actually know what the phrase means, if you can't actually apply that in real time in your everyday life, then it's, it's meaningless. It's useless words. So we need to know what it means. So, so what does it mean? What does it mean for someone to build their life on Jesus once they've determined he's the best foundation to build on? Well, let's look at what Jesus says it means, and then we'll just try to flesh it out a little bit further with some everyday examples. So I think you see it plainly here, verse 24 and 26. Look there again with me. Jesus says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Which means that at the most basic level, to build your life on Jesus means, or, or at least must include, obedience to Jesus' words. Um, doing what he says. That, that's the most basic way and explanation Jesus gives of building our lives on him. Notice, first of all, Jesus applies this building pattern to everyone. There's no exceptions to the rule, really. He says, uh, as Leon Morris notes, this rules out any exceptions. All either respond to Jesus' words or do not. There is no other possibility. But okay, then which words? Which words is Jesus referring to specifically that he wants us to be obedient to? Is he referring to the, the section just previously to what we looked at in the last few weeks uh, teaching about the, the two roads, the wide path and the narrow path and, and the two trees, is that what he's referring to? Is he referring to the words of, of his entire Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing? He's kind of like, yeah, all of that, be obedient to that. Or is Jesus referring to basically everything, all his words, everything that he is either recorded in the scripture that, or that he continues to speak to us through his Holy Spirit? Which, which words are we supposed to be obedient to in a word Yes. Yes. All those words. As Jesus says plainly, John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments, whoever has my words, my teaching, and keeps them, they are the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and make myself known to him. In fact, later in 1 John, the Apostle John says in all kinds of different ways that for someone to say they love Jesus, to say that they're a citizen of his kingdom and not do what he commands is an impossibility. It's, it's not something, or at least, that you can sustain. But if you were here last week uh, and heard the teaching that we looked at last week, this immediately will present a problem for us. Uh, because what we saw in Jesus' teaching last week in verse 22 and 23 was people being obedient to Jesus' commands and then being told, I never knew you, depart from me. Or then in, in Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul saying, salvation is by grace through faith, not a result of works. Okay, so which is it? Well, uh, is obedience to Jesus' commands the thing Jesus expects? Or are we supposed to trust in his work on the cross alone? Wh which one do we do? Well, if you were here last week, hopefully what you also remember is what we saw in verse 21. Look with me there quickly. 
Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. If you remember, what we said is that doing the will of the Father is not a call to religious obedience. It's a call to surrender. It's a call to to laying down our will and submitting our will to God's will. That's what it actually means. So, taking all this and trying to pull it together now, what does it look like to build your life on Jesus once you see him as the only secure foundation to build on? Well, notice again verse 24 and 26. Jesus contrasts just hearing his words alone with the one who actually does them. Jesus' half-brother James says it this way in James 1, 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then going on to plainly show in all kinds of ways that faith in Jesus that doesn't also evidence itself in your works is worthless, does not save you. So faith that we say we have must evidence itself in the way we live, in the way we obey. So what that means practically is this. If you're coming to church every Sunday, listening to messages, listening to teaching, maybe, maybe even through the week, you're listening to sermons on podcasts, you, you've got audio Bible, you're reading your Bible, you're, you're collecting all these things, all this information, all these words from Jesus, but then contra to Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, you live your life in a way that says, nevertheless, not what you will, God, but my will be done. So, so Jesus doesn't get to speak a word into how you act in your relationships, how you act in your friendships. Jesus doesn't get to speak a word to how you act in your marriage, uh, how you interact on social media. Jesus doesn't get to speak a word into your sexual ethics or how you spend your money. That's all off limits. He doesn't get to influence any of that. Then what that means is all those religious activities are ultimately meaningless. Or it is just to say they're not, they're not building anything on the foundation of Jesus. Even though, yeah, hearing Jesus' words is good. It's essential, actually. It's an essential part of building our lives on him. But it's not all that's required. We can't just hear the words. It's the one who applies them, who lives them out. But, I mean, just, just think of this past week. Make it... Make it something you can actually remember. Think of this past week in your own life. If each time your own will and your own way of doing things comes into conflict with Jesus' will, what what he says in his word, and instead of just doing what you want, what you feel best, instead you submit your will to his. You follow his leading and the leading of his spirit instead of your own way. Jesus says, that's how you build your life on me. From the smallest act of obedience to the the greatest, most difficult one. That's how Jesus says you will be adding another and another and another beautiful addition to a life built on him that can never be shaken and therefore that will only continue to grow in beauty and stability because it's never in danger of falling. Foundations matter. Foundations matter. Whatever you're building, what you choose to build it on matters. We've seen this morning why Jesus is the only foundation worth 
building our lives upon, and that's because he's the only foundation that can truly withstand the storms of life. And we've also seen what it actually looks like to build your life on him. It's one who's not just hearing, not just taking in information, but we apply it to our lives, everyday decisions. That's how we build our lives on him and become more and more like him in doing it. But the last and perhaps greatest benefit of all of a life built on the solid rock of Jesus I want to consider in closing is the ability it provides for us to stand unshakable not only against the storms of this life alone, but against the greatest storm of all, the storm of God's coming judgment. Book of Malachi, God's prophet, uh, describes that great and terrible day like this. He says, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And, and I think the, the clear implication that, that that's clearly we're supposed to get from that is uh, no one. No one can. No one can endure that great and terrible day of his coming or stand when Jesus appears to take his seat on the throne. As F.D. Bruner uh, says, thinking of that great fall, that great crash that Jesus describes at the end of verse 27, he says, The crash may be postponed until the last judgment, and to all outward appearances, sand houses may now appear to be rock. But one day, as the great modern-day prophet Bob Dylan once sang, a hard rain is going to fall, and the coming storm will reveal whatever our hopes are bottomed on. And yet listen to how the Apostle Paul understands that day in light of a life built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 3. Listen to what he says. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation, the one foundation we can build on that will last. He goes on, now if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest or will be made known for the day, there's our language of the, that final day of judgment, the day will make it known because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work one has done. If that work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I think what that shows us is two incredibly important things. First of all, not only what I build on that foundation matters, for as C.T. Studd famously said, famously said it, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last probably means the amount of time I spend curating my Instagram page and TikTok dances, probably, probably going to get burned up. But what it also means is that who we build our lives on matters as well, and it matters for all eternity. Because only a life built on Christ will be able to stand 
against the storms that all of us face, that every single one of us are going to face. And it's, we can only be able to stand if the foundation that we choose to build our lives on is the foundation of Jesus alone. And we can build our lives on him because Jesus' infinite load-bearing capacity that we talked about also bore the load of our sin. He took that load on himself that would have crushed us and instead he was crushed under that load so that we could build upon that foundation where he laid across that for us. So may it be said of each one of us here today, of you, of me, of all of us, that we built our lives on the solid foundation of Jesus. May we be not only hearers of God's word, but doers who surrender our wills to the fathers and faithfully build with treasures that will last for all eternity. And lastly, as Edward Mote concluded in that last verse of the hymn we just sang this morning, when he shall come with trumpet sound, may I then in him be found. And by found, it doesn't just mean discovered, he means founded. May I be founded on him dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless now to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Amen.